Shalom Aleichem, Ishpela. Shalom, brother. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty well, good. Uh, Toda Rabah for this opportunity to co-host and do some Parasha Tehillim GYS, a new edition that we're just going to go ahead and fully develop out. So you ready to do this? Come on. All right. Well, to all the listeners, this is now the Parasha Naso Tehillim Get You Some. And I'm going to have Ishpela start us off with the opening bracket. All right. May it be your will, O Adonai, our God, and the God of our forefathers, who chooses his servant David and his offspring after him, and who chooses songs and praises, that you turn with mercy to the reading of the songs of Tehillim that I shall read, as if King David of blessed memory himself had said them. May his merit protect us. May the merit of the verses of Tehillim and the merit of their words, letters, vows, and cancellations, as well as the divine names formed by acronyms of the initial and final letters, stand us in good stead to atone for our transgressions, iniquities, and sins, to cut down tyrants and cut off all thorns and briars that surround the supernal roads, to unite the bride of youth with her beloved, with love, brotherhood, and fellowship, and from that unification, may abundant sustenance be drawn to our spirit, breath, and soul to purify us of our iniquities, forgive our sins, and atone for our transgressions, just as you forgave David, who said these psalms before you. As it says, the Lord has removed your sin. You will not die. May you not take us from this world before our time, before the completion of our years, which number 70, so that we may repair that which we have ruined. And may the merit of King David of blessed memory shield over us and around us, that you may be patient with us until we return to you in complete repentance, that you find favor, that you favor us from your treasury of gratuitous gifts, as it is written, I favor those whom I favor, and I am merciful with those upon whom I take mercy. And just as we sing praise before you in this world, so may we merit, O Adonai, our God, to sing songs and praises before you in the world to come. And through the saying of Tehillim, may the tulip of Sharon be inspired to sing with a sweet voice, with happiness and with joy. And may the glory of Lebanon be given to her majesty and splendor in the house of our God, speedily in our days. Amen. Selah. Shem Yeshua, Amen. Wow, that literally is a get you some bracha. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, wow, that's beautiful. Well, with that being said, Parsha Naso, the Tehillim for Parsha is sixty-seven. So, um, Mr. Ishpela, if you will do the honors and uh, lifting off and taking us away with some insights. Actually, I believe. Check this real quick. The psalm. Oh, it is 67. Oh, okay. So I kind of skipped ahead. Oh, that's okay. I have a feeling you were dropping on something else that you might want to share with us. Yeah, I kind of I kind of got the 68, but uh that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you got Tetaline 68, huh? Yeah. Let me see what that lines up with because you know we can. 
I, I think we need to draw on that too. So we'll just do both. How about that? Okay. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with Tehillim 68, and then we'll fly back around to 67. All right, then. Let's do that. And, and Shomer, man, we both fly, so we just roll. Okay, so the first thing is that this Tehillim literally talks about um, just Hashem reigning, getting rid of the enemies, uh, the righteous will rejoice, singing to Hashem, the, the manifestation of Sinai, and just a whole lot of get you some going on up in here. The first being that it says this, namely, it says, now, it says, uh, Le David, that says, may God arise, may God, may he display his might. Hmm. His might referring to the Torah what this says here okay but it also says extol him with his name yah as in the uh ivrit in the hebrew it says shemo. so it says the commentary on that says this we are assured our salvation or our yeshua since god's name yudke and vavke is currently incomplete it's yah mm. the salvation is therefore necessary for the sake of completing his name alternatively alternatively praise god with his name yah which refers to god as creator of the world and the cause of our existence that's out of the tehillim midrash and if that's not uh, a witness enough for you the interlinear Schottenstein edition Tehillim says the same thing. With Yah, his name, praise Hashem with his name Yah, which denotes the creator and sustainer of the universe. And so that's just how it starts out. And it just kind of goes on from there. Because okay. or were you gonna what were you gonna add? Well, I was just going to uh, agree with you. And um, first of all, lay the foundation that this is for Parsha Beha Aloteka, for when you lift up the light. And uh, in, ref in uh, reference to kindling the lamps of the menorah or lighting the hearts and souls of Yehudim. And um, to also just kind of reiterate that Yah being the Yod and the Hey is the acronym for Yeshua HaMashiach, who is our salvation. And you're talking about extolling Hashem with Yeshua HaMashiach. Get you some. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I don't know if you saw the footnote for number 78, but it says, Yah, the significance, it, it signifies our conception of God yeah. and inspires fear. So the whole thing about receiving 
salvation should cause us to fear Hashem. And we know that fearing Hashem is the beginning of wisdom, which we know that wisdom is the Torah. So after salvation, we should be receiving and walking in Torah so that we can extol Hashem. Yes, exactly. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and it just it just talks about um, says later on in the Tehillim. There's there's basically like three drops from here that I'm just like I was just kind of just blown away. Okay, lay them down one at a time. So the next drop is in sixty eight ten. You poured out you poured generous rain, oh God. Said this verse continues to discuss the good that God has done for the Jewish people. When we were in need of rain, God always gave it to us generously. When the Jewish people arrived in Israel, God in his generosity, not because of our deeds, gave us rain. Mm. And so if you go down under the section that says, let the dew pour, it says after every commandment, after every mitzvah God uttered at Sinai, the souls of the people expired due to the intensity of the revelation. God revived them by bringing down the dew that is set aside for the resurrection of the dead in the future. As our verse states, you poured generous rain when your heritage was weary. When our souls were weary and departed, you resurrected us with generous rain. Shabbat 88b. It goes on to say the Hasidut teaching says this is puzzling. If God revived us with dew, why does our verse mention generous rain? Divine emanation is initiated in one of two ways. The first occurs as a response to our efforts. Our devotion evokes a revelation of godliness, godliness commensurate with our service. The second occurs as an unwarranted gift. Because it's not by our merit, not by our merit. Are you talking about uh, receiving salvation by grace? Yes. Because our, our and then it goes on to say a revelation of God is granted to, to us unsolicited unsolicited and beyond what our achievements merit. So nothing you do will grant you this unwarranted gift other than Hashem bestowing it upon you generously. Good night. Rain and dew are metaphors for these two systems of revelation. Rain is created from bodies of water that evaporate and rise up, then condense and fall as rain. This resembles the efforts of humankind, which rise up toward God and generate a response from him. Dew, however, does not descend from above. It is made up of vapor that condenses and materializes near the earth. It lacks the ascent-descent dynamic and is therefore a metaphor for an endowment from God that is bestowed to us regardless of our efforts. Wow. The footnote on that says the relevance of due to the future resurrection is apparent. The resurrection is different from Gandhi Den, the destination of our souls after passing. One must be suitably qualified to enter Gandhi Den, as the divine revelation there is meted out according to one's accomplishment. In contrast, the world to come is promised to all indiscriminately. Sanhedrin 11.1, the dimension of God revealed then is not induced by human effort, 
it is God as he is transcendent from creation, the uninitiated do. Wow. All undiscriminately. Yes. Okay. The Olam Haba. The Olam Haba. <laughs> wow. And it also so there's this whole thing about the Torah through grace. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you, if you think about it, nothing, nothing we do. I mean, even, I mean, I'll just kind of, as I'm reading this song and I'm reading everything and I'm, you know, I'm kind of just sitting here and just, just, uh, just amazed that at the amount of even the slightest revelation of, of what Hashem is, is showing me through, through this, through this Tehillim and through other studies, uh, just the amount of, of of information that he's just pouring down on us, unintended. Yeah, yeah. Just and and not not even not even because uh, we merited it. I mean, I mean, my life five years ago was not in a state to where I deserved any amount of this information. Not even not even a little crumb. Wow. But uh, you know, it's just amazing to me that. If you truly seek after Hashem and you truly seek after his ways and you truly, truly want to attach yourself to wisdom and to his word, he will literally move mountains for you, a.k.a. he will pick up Mount Sinai and reveal himself to you. And do you want my Torah? Do you accept me upon yourself? And it's just, it's just amazing, man. It really is. Uh, it's, I mean, if coming into this and not, and and just thinking about Yeshua, thinking about the Torah, and just the Shem's heart and all this is is pretty pretty mind blowing. Well, you know, uh, quick uh, gematria on sixty eight is uh, first of all, it's the gematria of Chaim, which is life. And then it's also the gematria of um, chacham, as in a sage or a wise. Shalom. Shalom. I guess we got uh, disconnected. Can you still hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Rukashim. Well, um, I don't know. I guess we can just continue recording.
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I don't know what was the last thing you heard, but I was just saying that uh, according to Gamatria, since we're focusing on Tehillim 68, that 68 has the Gamatria of Chaim, which is life, and Chakam, which is like a wise sage or scholar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hakam. Okay. So, and in reference to everything you've been talking about with the um, the grace and the unmerited uh, reception that we've been given of such wonderful, beautiful things of Torah. Amen. Exactly. So, okay, so you got your first drop, verse 10. So what's your next one? The next one is 6818. The chariots of God are twice 10,000 with thousands of angels. My God is in their midst at Sinai in holiness. Hmm. So this says, God joins his name to those of the angels. Every angel's name ends with God's name. E-L. Example, Mikael, Raphael. This is the meaning of my God is in their midst. God's name is, is invested within the angels. When God gave the Torah, he conferred his name upon the Jewish people as well. Whoa. That's, yeah. Whoa. That. Whoa. Yes. You did not just say that. Yep. Wow. Okay. That was uncalled for, but okay. Thus, God opened the Ten Commandments by declaring, Anochi, I am God, your God, using the singular form, your God, Elohecha, as opposed to Elohechem, to illustrate that he is the God of each individual and confers his name upon us. Yalchut Shemoni 286. Wow. What does the above Midrash mean in the saying that God's name has been conferred upon us and upon the angels? A creature whose name incorporates God's name is one that has the capacity to transcend its own identity and identify purely as a messenger of God. The greater a creature's i.e., the harder it is it for it to attain self-transcendence, the angels are creatures with a heightened spiritual awareness. Their surrender of self before God is not novel. This natural humility is reflected in the specific name of God attached to them, El. This name is related to Elohim, the, defi- the divine name represented by limited revelation. The angels' lack of struggle with divine reality and effortlessness of their humility does not require an overwhelming revelation. The restricted revelation of Elohim suffices for them. The human being represents a greater challenge. The body's coarse materialism and selfish mentality resists godly consciousness. On a powerful realization of the divine reality can cause this only only a powerful realization of divine reality can cause the soul's selfishness to pervade the and illuminate the body. Yeah. 
With this revelation, the soul can bring the body to abandon its self-centered orientation and embrace the godly reality. We experience this sort of revelation at Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah. The name that God invested in us at that time is God's essential name, Yudke and Vavke. With the revelation of this essence, this essence, with the revelation of this essence, the truth of God's being became evident and the defiance of the body gave way to acceptance. From then on, we have the potential to discover God's name within us and allow it to become our identity. Wow. Wow. Say la. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you didn't catch the uh, with the revelation of this essence, because I Go feel like it. I feel like the the ongoing thing of the of the ongoing theme I should say of the essence is the original sapphire tablets, i.e., Yeshua, mm. because the greater revelation here is that the name is one at the giving of the Torah before the sin of the golden calf. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. So through Messiah Yeshua, we're receiving the completeness of Hashem's name, which is the revelation of his essence. Right, right, right. Well, at least the beginning of it, the, 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 the final is yet to come, but it will come. Amen. Amen. Because that's Mashiach ben Yosef, who's first to come, which is the beginning of the redemption, which gives us the first fruits of the resurrection, which is the whole thing behind the Omer count that happens during the middle of Pesach, namely three days after the sacrifice. Then we got uh, Mashiach ben David, who is later to come to complete the redemption. So within the fullness of Mashiach Yeshua being manifested, we're getting to what we just commented on, where Hashem's name becomes associated within us and that we get to have that be our identity. Man, I just, I, I just kept reading right now. I, I, I agree and I tag and... <laughs> go wow because this just says this is look and see god's affection for his nation israel god dwells among his thousands of ministering angels even when god descended to give us the torah the angels came along for they are always in close proximity to the divine presence uh -oh. yet the jews succeeded in overpowering the angels receiving the torah and capturing it from their hands according to rashi these verses are directed at the kings of the nations, reminding them of God's affections for the Jewish people. According to Mezudot, the message is to the Jewish people themselves to remember God's affection and therefore be certain in the end, he will redeem them. He will, i.e. God will. So, so all of Israel will be saved. Amen. So the, the important thing that we need to do is make sure that we're attached to the vine. Right. Yes. Well, all right, then. That was extremely violent. <laughs>
You got yeah. your next drop? The Okay, so here's a lesser-known fact. Okay. And this actually – this song actually proves uh, commentary I read before that it wasn't actually Nakshon that entered the Sea of Reeds first, but it was actually somebody from the tribe of Binyami. Oh, no, you didn't. Yes. So here it says, and check, I, and and I'm, I'm serious. Check this out because it's like, you 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 would. I'll, I'm just gonna read this, and then you tell me you tell me where where you at. So okay, this says it's 6828. There, Benyami, the youngest, rules them. It says as a result of what happened there, i.e., at the Yom Suf, Benyami inherited to rule the Jewish people. When Israel arrived at the sea, the first to go into the sea were from the tribe of Benjamin. Although the youngest of all the tribes, Benjamin merited that of Benjamin, Benjamin King, Saul ruled over the Jewish people. Right. Then it keeps going. The princes of Yehuda stoned them, as do the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali. When the tribe of Benjamin started entering the sea, the tribe of Yehuda, and followed by the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, became envious and started stoning them. Okay, so the first of all, tag. I agree, and I also can't help but think and be amazed that Shaul is the first king of Israel because Benjamin was the first one to really enter into the sea. Yep. So it's not a coincidence that a Benjamite is the one who was the first king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. Not only that, but the pattern continued to follow because it was one from the tribe of Yehuda who ultimately became the king of Israel. Right. And not only that, but he secured the kingship. However, there's been like this back and forth thing kind of going on because the next Benjamite is Mordecai. And Mordecai was really the one who brought the exiles back from Babylon. So we have this thing of coming out of exile. We got a Benjamite leading us. So I think I think the interesting part is that whenever Yehuda appeals himself to Yosef for Benjamin, he says he says that that his uh, his life is attached to his. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I get I get it. Wow. <laughs> so there's that. So, okay, so isn't Benjamin called a fox? I believe so. I need to source that real quick. I mean, <laughs> this will be interesting. Amber. 
not seeing that. Oh, here we go. Bear sheep 49, 27. Oh, he's called a wolf, a ravenous wolf. So what I'm thinking is along the context of Benjamin and Yehuda having this back and forth relationship, and then you have Yosef, who is an Ephraimite, and how there are two aspects of Mashiach where he's a reigning king and a suffering servant, and how we have the king while Yisrael is not in exile, but while they're in exile, we have the sort of, uh, for lack of a better terms, like a uh, a backup or a second in command, so to speak. And right. we see how that's Benjamin, how we see that that's Yosef, and how we see that that's Mordecai. And interestingly enough, in Tractate Megillah, namely 13, it says that Mordecai is called a Yehudi which would say that he's from the tribe of, of uh, Yehuda. Right. So whether it's Yosef or whether it's Benjamin, which Yosef and Benjamin were uh, connected, actually, uh, in the prophecy uh, from Bereshit, there's commentary that says, you know, even though Benjamin was younger than Yosef, he's the second born of Raquel, him and Yosef are actually bound up into one essence. Yeah. And so we see that whether it's Mashiach ben Yosef or Mashiach ben Yamin, that it's still like one and the same. As like, far as the- actually, if you think about it, through ben Yamin, he's, he's, he's tied to Yosef, but yet, yet to Yehuda. Right, to Yehuda at the same time, like at the same time. Well, all right then. And, and the difference is the stone, because the verse later goes on to say that Yehuda stoned them. And as soon as you said that, I could not help but think about the stone that Hashem said he lays as the foundation in Zion. <clears throat> and so we see that that stone is what's set up ultimately. So... Technically, esoterically, you can look at it as the stone is what unifies Yehuda, Ephraim, and Benyamin. Right. Now, if you take the first letter of each of their names, you get the word Yavo. Stop it. Which is he will come. So, so you're talking about of uh, Benjamin, Yehuda, and Ephraim. So, Yehuda, Benjamin, Ephraim, Yod, Bet, Olive, Yavo. Good night. Baruch Hashem. So uh, the other thing, too, to add with that before we go to a quick break is that the song Hu Yavo or the verse Hu Yavo, as from Yeshiyahu, 
The who is the hey and the vav, which is the completion of Hashem's name with yod and hey and vav and hey. And so who is connected to Yavo. So when Yehuda, Benyamin, and Ephraim become one in that stone, he will come. That's the completion of Hashem's name. Yeah. So, Burger Sims, what were you guys? What you got? I said I agree. All right. So we're gonna go to a quick break, and uh, we'll pick this back up on part two. All right, and we're back. Are you there? Yes, sir. All right. So we just finished with Huyavo, the completion of Hashem's name. So um, let's continue on. Yeah. Okay. So I guess one final thing right. to wrap up 68, which... Honestly, kind of sleek on my part. I kind of jumped ahead. I just realized that this is next week's Tehillim. But well, believe, believe it or not, these two Tehillim are super connected. So with the help yeah. of Hashem, we will connect it back to 67. Just because it's not so far away. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> this is Tehillim 6836. People will come to fear God because of the divine glory that, that dwells in the temple. Ooh. 
from here, from there, that all wonders emerge. Alternatively, by destroying the temple, God instills fear. Sinners recognize that if God is willing to destroy his own temple in retribution for sin, surely he will visit retribution upon idolaters. You, you did not just say that. You did not just say that. That's Rashi. That's Rashi just said that. You, you just said by destroying the temple, uh, what, what is this? Willing to destroy his own temple in retribution for sin? Yes. Like, namely crucifying the Messiah who is greater than the temple? That would seem to be the case. That, oh my goodness gracious. Okay. You just, uh, you ain't pulling any punches tonight. <laughs> nope. Nope. Wow. It's really, and it's honestly, it's not even, it's not even me, man. It's just, it's just this psalm and the enlightenment of the big green book, which I encourage everyone to just, just go out and get it. You're just not, you're not going to, won't be lacking. That's for sure. Baruch Shem. So just to support tag you on that, uh, it's a Kehot Publishing that has this book. And the Big Green Book is officially called the Midrash on Tehillim. So you'll know it when you see it because it'll feel like running into the fist of Ishpela. <laughs> As is what's been happening for this past... I feel like the fish of uh, King Melek David, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, so uh, just, uh, yeah, Baruch Hashem, this is absolutely incredible, and, and I bless you for being diligent in your studies to bring out and elucidate these wonderful insights, so Baruch Hashem. And so one of the other cool things in this book, it says, it has the, uh, the Psalms in practice, Ooh. regarding 68 verses 5 through 6. Uh-huh. Rides upon the heavens, father of orphans. The guardians of orphans must be extremely, extremely punctilious in administering their state, bearing in mind the father of these orphans who rides upon the heavens, as it is written, who rides upon the heavens, father of orphans. Hmm. And then 68 14. Wings of a dove covered with silver. Wow, this is powerful. It says, it is customary to wrap the head to fill in, and in some communities, the arm to fill in as well, in a way that resembles the wings of a dove because of the miracle that occurred. The Roman uh, regime that occupied Israel once decreed that any Jew who dons to fill in would be killed. A man named Elisha, defied the decree and would wear tefillin even in the street. Once he was spotted by a Roman official who chased after him. As the official was about to reach him, Elisha removed the tefillin from his head and held them in his hand. When the official asked him what he was holding, Elisha responded, wings of a dove. He then opened his hand and miraculously it contained nothing more than the wings of a dove. Why did Elisha choose the, bird, the dove over all birds? Because the Jewish people are compared to the dove, as it is written, wings of a dove covered with silver. 
Just as a dove is protected by its wings, so are the Jewish people protected by their mitzvah. Shabbat 49a. Shabbat 49a. Get you some. Wow. And uh, one last drop from 68. The last verse, 6820. Oh. Not the last verse. This is just 6820. Okay. It says, Bless is God who each day loads us with beneficence. It was said of Shammai the elder that each day of the week he ate in honor of Shabbat. How so? If you find a found, fine animal, he would say, This one is for Shabbat. If you then found yet a, a finer animal, he would set it aside for Shabbat and eat the first. In eating the inferior animal, he honored Shabbat. Since he was saving the superior animal for Shabbat, Hillel, the elder, however, followed a different approach. Instead of looking out for a fine animal from the week's outset, he trusted that God would arrange it so that he would find the finest animal on Friday for Shabbat. In accordance with the verse, bless is God, who each day loads us with beneficence. Each day he provides us with the particular needs of that day. Betza 16a. Hillel agrees agrees that in general, Shammai's custom is more proper. Yet his faith was such that he was certain that God would provide. Shulchan Harav Orachachayim 242.10 Those who do not have the faith of Hillel should follow the custom of Shammai. (laughs) Oh, so it takes more faith to follow the halakha laid down by Hillel? Yes. Good night. So, basically what you're saying is putting the Tehillim in practice is serving Hashem by His grace, observing the mitzvot with full emunah. Yes. And that's how we would put Tehillim 68 into practice. Yeah, and just and just uh, thinking about you know, I mean this 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 it's the whole Exodus, the whole Matan Torah, like all given, like all a, all a recounting of it, and uh, it's just it is pretty pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing that we merit to uh, receive divine revelation in our own lives speedily and soon in our days. Amen. So, with that being said, that's our tie back to Tehillim 67. Because the giving of the Torah, and as we've talked about, going from Mashiach ben Yosef to Mashiach ben David, that's the dawn of redemption. You know, it starts out slowly. It goes in stages. And with the menorah, the menorah is kindled in stages, namely in two stages. So it is said that the Kohen would light a few lamps, go away and do some different avodah, some other spiritual service, and then return. Removing the mat. Finish kindling the menorah. So, 
if we're looking at the giving of the Torah and then the final redemption, Tehillim 67 is all about the menorah. It's all about the process from the beginning of redemption to the end of redemption. Yes. Why? Because Why? we're doing this Tehillim during the counting of the Omer. And this is our process to go from Mitzrayim to the mountain where the revelation happens. So in essence, by us starting off with Tehillim 68, we've shown the end that was already thought of and in mind in the beginning. Because we have to remember that the revelation at the mountain started with the Redeemer encountering Hashem on the mountain at the burning bush. So had it not been for Moshe encountering Hashem at the burning bush, there would have been no giving of Torah. There would have been no Pesach. So just like the Shabbat, the end that was thought about in the beginning, so it is with this drosh. So... The first thing I think about is the Tehillim in practice that you can see that it says that this is a numeric psalm. It's all about the numbers. And so this is uh, 124a. It says, because this psalm contains 49 words, which we count 49 plus one with the Omer, which as I said that, I was thinking about how there are 40 lashes minus one and how when we look at the grace of Hashem, instead of thinking about terms of lashes, we're thinking about terms of ascent going forth because the lashes are meant to restore us back to community. And this Omer count is on a greater level because it goes beyond 40 and into 50. And so we're, we're thinking about ascent. So I was just thinking about that with the 49 because technically the Omer count is 50 days, but we only count 49 because Hashem himself gives us that 50. And you brought that up in earlier discussions. So, Well, because I was just making a reference on Rabbi, Rabbi Mordecai, Mordecai, Mordecai Griffin. Get you some. Uh, was bringing down that there that the Torah speaks of the convert in 40, 48 times. And it's mm-hmm. about, um, it just talks about the convert forty eight times. It mentions it forty eight times, and in Avot six six it says that you acquire the Torah in forty eight in forty eight ways. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of thinking, okay, forty eight. But but really, we count 49 because in the commentary I was reading uh, with uh, with Yishai's Kechot Avot, Pirkei Avot, Ooh. it was saying that the 48 corresponds to the Omer count. But you're like, wait, there's 49. He's like, well, this is, this is just my little input on it. So why, why is it that, okay, we're counting 48 times and Pirke Avot says you just 48 ways to acquire the Torah. Obviously, you have to convert spiritually to receive the Torah. 
but why 48 and not 49? Because 49 would be uh, when you count the 49th day, you say Malchut Shebe Malchut, which is in literal terms, if you were to translate it in English, it's not the same thing, but I mean, if you just kind of want to go there, it's foundation of the foundation. Well, who's the foundation on the 40, you know, 49th day? That would be Yeshua, Nimtet. You know, it's uh, kind of kind of the same the same thing, and then on the fiftieth day, where where you go even beyond that, so it's just it's it's amazing, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so if you think about that, okay, so check this out. So we're fusing together the tehillim of two portions that are next to each other. Beha Aloteka and Naso. Now, Naso means to lift up, but Beha Aloteka means to make the ascent. And so what you just shared is like the culmination and synopsis of what it means to go from Naso to Beha Aloteka or to go from 67 to 68. Namely, to complete the Omer count which would be the completion of our redemption. Amen. So, um, just to kind of, well, we're at our 15 minutes, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap up with the next part, and uh, that's how we'll roll. (laughs) We didn't even get into it, but it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, right? Ricochet. All right, so we'll be back. All right. All right, and we are back with the Parashat Tehillim for Naso, and we've included Beha Aloteka. So, Baruch Hashem. Two for one, like the Mashiach. (laughs) (laughs) Baruch Hashem. So, um, I was just trying to look up um, real quick the reference to um, kindling the menorah in two parts. Oh, okay. Okay. So... um, Let's see. I do know that first of all, the Menorah. Oh, well, well, let me help. You. Let me. Can I? Can I tag and agree? Oh yes, bring it on. Because in the footnote of the numeric psalm says the counting of the Omer is a regimen of spiritual refinement. Every week we progress in taming our primal animalistic emotions. When the animal soul is refined, the godly soul reaps the benefit of its strength. The perfected animal soul lends its vigor to the pursuits of the godly soul, enhancing its devotion. These two stages, hence two stages, these two stages are alluded to in the Psalms to titles, Mizmor and Sheer. Mizmor alludes to the refinement of our egocentric psyche. This is the first title of the psalm because it is a prerequisite for the spiritual reward of the second title. Sheer is the song of the soul, alluding to the enrichment it receives from the reformation of the animal soul. So not only is the psalm about the, the uh, menorah have two titles, but maybe it's an allusion to maybe the two steps I would I would add in there to the lighting of the menorah. Baruch Hashem, I mean, 
<laughs> so uh, I definitely agree with that. Okay, so I was just looking at Yoma 24B, and they're talking about the process of lighting it. But Wait, uh, you're reading the Talmud? You yes, read I'm reading the Talmud. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't think I will uh, get that source at the moment. So. I apologize for everyone listening for the source's hatred, but um, we do have our remez here from our footnote, and um, with El Vashem, I will get that other source because I've we've gone over it before, but I just can't remember off the top of my head where it is. But it also says as well, if there are no levying to light the menorah, that it can be brought out to the courtyard and the other people can light it. But you know. Won't go there either. So, right. Let's just, let's go just stick there. with this here, um, right? With yeah. the Talim and practice. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Okay. So, the numeric psalm, Tehillim 67. It says, because this psalm contains 49 words, excluding the introduction in verse one. Oh, okay, man. So, really? Yeah, right? <laughs> So it says it's 49 words, but really it's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's going beyond the 49, but I see what you did there. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so it is customarily recited on each of the 49 days of the Omer between Pesach and Shavuot. And where does the Omer appear in Parashah Naso? With the Sota, the one who is suspected of adultery. And remember, the whole process of the Sota is to make Teshuvah. And so as we're counting this Omer, as we're kindling this menorah, as we're making our ascent, as we're lifting up, it's all about making Teshuvah before Hashem, which is an act of grace by Hashem to even allow us to do such. You know, so, Hashem. Okay, so now it says, this is between Pesach and Shavuot. Furthermore, its seven verses correspond to the seven weeks of the Omer. This Tehillim is also known as the Menorah Tehillim. So if you think about a Menorah, you should see this song. Its seven verses correspond to the seven branches. Its 49 words correspond to the Menorah's cups, knobs, flowers, and lamps, which are 49 in total. Its first verse contains four words corresponding to the menorah's two tongs and two spoons. It is therefore customary to read this Tehillim each day, since in doing so, one is considered to have kindled the menorah in the Mishkan, in the Mikdash, in the temple, and received the divine presence. Wow. Abu Abu Draham. And you just said receiving the Torah, we receive the essence of Hashem within us. Yes. And so that starts with kindling the menorah. Good night. Man, what is this where does this footnote go to? This is the the footnote Chida Sadi Mar Marahasha writes that 
God showed King David a vision of. I don't know where it goes to. To the right page there. Oh. 24B. Yeah, I see it. Okay. That God showed King David a vision of Psalm 67 engraved on a gold plate in the shape of the menorah. God likewise showed this image to Moshe. David had this image engraved into his shield. When he went out to battle, he would have this inscription with him and would meditate upon its secret and thereby triumph over his enemies who would fall before him. Wow. So in other words, to triumph over our enemies, it takes the divine essence of Hashem, which is embodied in this Tehillim, Yeah, and notice it's a secret, though. Like, it's not, like, you know, widely known. Wow. Right, because this is actually what the Magen David is. You know, right. we thought about the Magen being a star, which is normally called the Star of David, but actually the Magen David is a menorah on a shield. Which is this Tehillim. Would be really interesting to notice if this psalm had every Aleph Bay letter in here. But that's just kind of, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> well, Burkishim, um, is if you look at uh, footnote 74, it talks about the 22 cups. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there's your there's your olive bait right there. The menorah itself features the 22 cups, which correspond to the 22 letters of the olive bait. Nine flowers, 11 knobs, and seven lamps equals 49. That's right. Wow. See Shemot 25, 31 through 38. Is that where you're going? No, that's not where I'm going, but I was just, for anybody who wanted to know the source for that. Get you some. Well, the last thing I just really feel compelled to share is um, the number 49 from the Jewish Book of Numbers. No. What? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. Just had to, you know. Mm hmm. Because what we're what we're talking about is going from a place of impurity to purity. Namely, going from being a to being one who has completely been purified and cleansed and received Hashem which is Tehillim 67 going into Tehillim 68, Parsha Nasa, which features the Sota, going into Parsha Beha Aloteka, which features the Kohen. And remember that one who makes Teshuvah and returns to Hashem and attaches themselves to the Torah, they become like a Kohen. So, in, in this source over here, it says 49... As the maximum quota man can symbolically attain 
finds another expression in the measures used for interpreting Torah. There are 49 faces to prove something is pure, corresponding to 49 faces to prove something is impure. Wow. One of the sages declared, I can purify a dead insect in a total of 49 ways. Now, I don't know about you, but when we were in Mitzrayim, we were completely dead. Worse than an insect. But through the 49 plus one of the Omer, Hashem caused us to be pure. Namely, bringing us to life with that dew that you talked about. Yes. So then it says, this was not a boast about the use of logic or the manipulation of exegesis to vindicate something that the Torah explicitly forbids. Rather, this was a self-professed testimony by a Talmud scholar. Might I add, a Talmud scholar is not a Google jockey. It's not uh, Rabbi Google. It's not Messianic.com. I mean, that's not an issue? No. Okay. So, Talmud scholar. Right? So, it says that uh, this Talmud scholar about his all-encompassing grasp of a topic. He had mastered the full measure of 49 dimensions to discern the breadth of factors involved in a Torah ruling. There's 49 factors in a Torah ruling. So it says the quality of truth in Torah is even present in reasoning or arguments that are ultimately rejected in the final ruling. A holistic view incorporates all the opinions. This is key because, you know, there's always Rabbi so-and-so said in the name of so-and-so, but then another rabbi said in the name of so-and-so, right? So you get all these opinions going, right? So it says you incorporate all the opinions involved in a dispute. Each opinion is factored into the equation. This is why conflicting opinions of rabbinic literature are an integral part of the Torah. I.e., these and these are words of the living God. Wow. Hence, the final ruling would be bequeathed to the sages of each generation to determine. Wow. So with our Tehillim this week, we're moving from a realm of impurity into purity, which ultimately culminates in the kindling of the full menorah going from a place of exile and into redemption. So right now, as it, as it is, we're in this time of awaiting the return of Mashiach. But in this time, we're also being purified. We're taming our primal and animalistic emotions so that we can transcend who we are, that we can be identified with the essence of who Hashem is. Amen. So, Baruch Hashem. So, if you have anything else to conclude with, you know, go ahead and take the floor. Um, just two drops. Just two drops. Okay. So, the one thing I think is interesting that this 
you know, when I was when I was reciting the the uh, the the psalm during the Omer count this year, when I whenever I was reading the second verse, it says God will be gracious to us and bless us. Yes. I was literally thinking beer cock Kohanim. Ooh. Like it's, it's Naso. Yeah, <laughs> which is in Parashah Naso. And so and so I don't know. I just if there's that connection there. Right. Just but this is what it says. So sixty seven two. It says he will make his countenance shine upon us forever. It says God will grant us success in all of our endeavors. It says the title of this next paragraph is called Severe Blessings. Mm, get you some. The divine name used in this verse is Elohim, which refers to God's concealment. When he suppresses any expression or revelation, it seems incongruous. Then that the psalm invokes Elohim when speaking of graciousness, blessings, and the shining of his countenance. This anomaly can be explained in two ways. Although it is true that Elohim represents a constraint of God's expression, it is precisely this constraint that is crucial to the bestowal of blessing. When God's bounty is unrestrained, it does not distinguish between the deserving and the undeserving. Unworthy parties can partake of this godly profusion as well and divert it from its proper destination. The caution represented by Elohim tempers God's abundance so that it reaches only those who deserve it. A deeper explanation, God's concealment is a result of his withdrawing into himself. Mm. Concept of Zimzum. Ken. When one is alone with one's deepest self, all expression is repressed. From this position, interaction with others is impossible. Similarly, when God, when godly revelation and expression is muted, it is because he has withdrawn into his essence. To refer to Elohim as the source of a blessing means that God's essence has been brought into expression. Such blessings will be imbued with unparalleled potency of this essence. Yah, Yahel or. Wow. <laughs> and the finally, the last thing 67.5. The nations will rejoice and sing for joy, for you would judge the peoples justly. It says, before the redemption, the king. Kingdom of Gog and Magog will recruit many nations to wage war against Israel. After the redemption, God will judge those nations, followed by a fair sentencing. As a result, all other nations will rejoice for not having harmed the Jewish people. With its letters rearranged, the word for they will rejoice, Yesameacho, spells the word for his Mashiach, Mashiacho. This alludes to the fact that when his Mashiach comes, the nations will rejoice and sing. And this is the also the interpretation of the first two words. It says, Al-Sheikh himself explains Mizmor and Shir differently. In his interpretation, Mizmor alludes to the good 
that Jewish people will receive sheer alludes to the enlightenment of the nations. Man. We'll get you some. Well, may it be speedily and soon in our days that Amen. this becomes a reality. Amen. Well, Todar Rabah for joining us to the listeners uh, for the first Parsha Tehillim. Get you some. So, um, Ishpela, if you would uh, close us in prayer. And as we always say, what do we know? What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Amen. Actually, I don't believe there is a closing broccoli. But I will say one. Amen. Father, I ask that you infuse us with the words of your Torah and the words of the Tehillim, that we would seek to understand your ways and that you would continue to enlighten us and to enlighten others to follow in your ways, Father. The light of Mashiach, the light of the menorah, the light of primordial creation. That you would send him speedily soon in our days. Amen. Selah. Amen. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Selah. Well, Ishpelah, it's been a blessing. Todah Rabbah for sharing your insights and for doing this, Josh. Todah for having me. Babakashah. Well, to everyone, uh, may you have a blessed Shavuot Tov and may you have a blessed Arab Shabbat and Shabbat. Gam Lecha. Amen. Well, shalom and shalom. Shalom.